0: morning welcome to con we're in Lexington Kentucky uh, this is a podcast for construction executives and aspiring construction executives and I'm here today meeting with Brandon Barry from we're constructors mm-hmm. and uh, Brandon is a friend I, I've known him for some time and we're just going to kind of go through and talk about a few items um, and uh, so first off uh, tell me um, about where who they are describe your company
1: uh, so, Weir is a family-owned operation. Um, it's actually run by my family, uh, so the Barry family. Um, my grandfather, uh, I'm never really good with dates, but I can tell you that um, he came to Weir in the uh, 60s and started as an estimator. They were a very small company owned by the Weirs, uh, you know, kind of a miscellaneous hodgepodge of work, um, but mostly G.C., Hard bid work, um, and so over time he worked his way up, uh, became part owner in the '80s, uh, and bought the entire company shares out. I think sometime in the late '80s. You know, again, if I've got family members listening to this, I'm sure that uh, they're going to be <laughs> so upset that I, that I don't know the exact date, but I don't yeah. know what I had for dinner last night. So, uh, but anyway, he ended up becoming the sole owner, uh, and then the weird name. Uh, you know, I guess was um, large enough, or had done well enough that they didn't want to change it. When the Barry family ended up buying out, uh, but he retired um, right around '99 ish, um, and so then it was taken over by my dad, my uncle Skip, and my uncle Ed as three equal owners. Uh, Skip, as the oldest, retired about a year and a half ago, uh, so it's now owned by just Dad and Ed, so Dale Barry and Edward Barry, uh, and so. You know, we're still a family business. Um, obviously, since the 60s, a lot is different about we're. Uh, we started out just with the Louisville office. Uh, we now currently have an office in Louisville, Lexington, uh, Bowling Green, and Tampa, Florida. Uh, so we're starting to expand a little bit, have done the past several years. Uh, we are a faith-based firm. Uh, it's very important to us. Uh, it's not always the most popular way to be, I, I, I guess.
0: Especially
1: today. Um, especially right now. Uh but even when Skip when when Skip left, um, there was a reorganization of our management team at Weir and one of the tasks that we were given was to reorganize our business plan, reorganize our values, uh, and just kind of restart and make sure that the newer generation of leaders at Weir still bought in with the original values that, mm-hmm. you know, the Berry family and the Weirs had and um so faith was the number one value that we wanted to make sure that we highlighted and you know, accentuated. And so I, you know, that, that drives what we do. Um, we focus mostly on health care work. Uh, we're starting to do a lot of higher education. Um, you know Our Tampa office has a lot of health care work going. So wherever the markets take us, I know it kind of fluctuates, but um, that's generally what we're known for, and obviously we're trying to plan for the future. You know. So
0: kinda of tell me about your history uh, individually. What you know, how did you come in the company, you know, where you grew up, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Uh so I'd love to tell you that uh this has been a dream of mine since I was a little kid, but that that would certainly not be accurate. <laughs> um, you know, when I was little, dad used to take us into Weir all the time and we'd be running around the shop and stealing all of our guys' tools and things. You know, we're five and six, we thought all those things were cool. So we were always around Weir but um I don't know, I thought I was going to be a golfer and that I would be making millions on TV every weekend and stuff, and naturally that uh, ends for everybody at some point. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be able to play golf at Eastern, uh, which obviously is where mm-hmm. you and I met, but um, ended up going to CM right there. Um, what did
0: you think construction management, because of your background, or you thought maybe it was the option? or
1: You know, I think, if, if, if I'm honest, I think that uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I... I genuinely love my family. I love being around my family. We're an extremely tight-knit um, uh, family, especially on the Barry side. Um, so I thought, well, I don't know what I want to do, but I could certainly see myself doing whatever they do and just being around mm-hmm. them. Um, and I was very fortunate uh, that it started to become something that I really liked. And I'm so glad that it happened the way that it did. I think God played a big part of that. But um, So that was really the initial reason. I actually had my brother. DJ was, um, he went to UK for a few years, transferred to Eastern, but stayed living here in town. So he was driving every day, mm-hmm. and he was already going to school and doing the CM route. So it was another comfort that, like, hey, he can shepherd me. He can show me what I need to know. And so it kind of just was a comfort feeling at first, and then luckily it grew to be something I loved. So you, you played all four years golf at, at EKU? Yeah, I actually redshirted one year, um, you know, on a golf team you, you pretty much play five every week. So we had we had 10 people on the team. We had seven freshmen come in my year. So, like, there was a lot of us. And, you know, seven for a 10-man roster. Uh, we were always trying to play for a spot. And uh, so two of us decided our fourth year that we would redshirt. And so I came back for a fifth year. But, uh, so, yes, I actually played five. But, you know. So you still love golf? I do. I, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, I. Until DJ, whenever I first started at Weir, he was talking to me about how lucky I was playing golf every day and all this stuff and what you get in the real world. And, you know, for some reason I thought golf was a job, and it was kind of turning into that. Like the first week that I was at work and I was staring out the window, I, I realized that golf was not a job. I, really, <laughs> I probably should have hit a couple more seven irons before uh, deciding to hang it up. But So how
0: good of a golfer are you? I never asked you that question, so I thought... Uh,
1: I, I mean, I still, you know, it's funny, I, I still play pretty well. Um, I think it's because I don't care as much. I think it for whatever reason that's helped me. I um, mean, I'm a zero right now. I'm a handicapped. So, you know, it just depends on what's going on in life um, more than anything. How often do you play? I haven't, like, I don't play that much anymore um, except for, like, tournament golf. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually live on the third hole of Eagle Creek. So I live in Oldham County and drive to Lexington every day. And um, I live two houses down from my mom and dad. And so grew up on a golf course, Mm -hmm. got the opportunity to move back. And so we go out a lot still every night. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And they don't really care about golf, but they love seeing the deer and the turkeys and the Absolutely, rabbits and the squirrels, yeah. and so, so we go out a lot. But uh, so I don't I don't play as much as probably I'd like to. But mm-hmm. I'm, you know, the older I get, the more it's less important to me to get to play golf. You know.
0: So um, okay, so you told us the history about where, and uh, so let me ask you, what was the most significant event that happened to where that kind of changed? You know, was a game changer for you, changed the business model that you
1: guys have. You know, I, I could probably look at this in a couple ways. Um, so I like, you know, I've been around Weir since I was a kid, but um, I started co-oping when I was in school, and uh, I was hired full time in 2009. Um, we have been signatory with the carpenters union, with the laborers union, operators. Um, you know, it was becoming increasingly more difficult to pay higher wages and scales, with you know, because the market tanked around 0809, mm-hmm. and 09. Um, so we were finding ourselves in a situation that... And that's right when you came in. Right when I came... So, that's, I mean, I was, I was honestly a little too immature to understand how important it was at the time, but we decided um, after 20, 30 years that we weren't going to resign. And we, we were hoping to, but we, we knew that there were some terms that we wanted to try to get worked out, and it just didn't work out. Um, but we had a, a lot of our leadership, a lot of our field staff. In fact, most of our superintendents were signatory to either the Carpenter's Union or the Labor's Union, and so we tried, you know, we tried to be upfront and honest with them and say, look, we, you know, it's becoming harder for owners to justify paying more for services just because, you know, of the union agreements and things. And so we want to make sure that we do what's in the best interest of we're of our owners, of our employees, and we've got to just get some common ground here. So we're letting you all know ahead of time that we're hoping to work this out. Um, there's certainly a chance that it won't. And so we were trying to do right by the people. Um, well, you know, the reality is, is that if you can't win work, then you don't have a
0: business. Right. And the cost are drive, especially in 2008, 2009, it was, well, from 7 to 9. You know, you right. guys. Everybody was in a bad situation. Right,
1: you know? and it's and it's tough. I mean, we want to be fair to the employees, and we want to be able to pay people more, but at the same time, if that's at the risk of losing work, it's hard to pay people if you don't have the work. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so I say all that, in that we ended up not being able to sign, and we were very worried about just the employees' families. You know, because that's health insurance, that's um, pensions, that's, that's everything, but every single union employee that we had left the union and stayed with us. And, um, so that was, uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate that, that as I get a family, as I get, there's a lot more people that, that I'm working to do well by others. Something like that is a major deal. And, uh, for each one of them to leave the union that they were vested in and all this stuff and stay with Weir, um, I see now more about what that said about my family, about Dad, Skip and Ed, Granddad. Um, yeah, that's significant. I mean, they took a big risk on you guys, you know, yeah. and
0: uh, that just shows that obviously they believed in you, you know.
1: Uh, yeah, it wouldn't me, but they believed in, in them, and uh, you know, I can see now more that they've earned it. Meaning Dad, Skip and Ed, they've they've done a lot and they've been. Wonderful examples of uh, the type of people that we need to be—not just what we need to do at work. So that's that's probably the biggest moment. Um, there's a lot of just little things, maybe. Uh, what about the happened? Florida
0: thing? Because I always wondered every time, you know, why do you guys have an office in Florida? Yeah, you know?
1: yeah. Well, I'll try to do it without going too much down a rabbit hole. But um, Humana Hospital was uh, was a really big client for us mm-hmm. um, back in the '80s. And, and, and actually, when we're kind of made a transition from smaller time, uh, Dad, Skip, and Ed would have said that the biggest moment was when we got the Humana Tower that's in downtown Louisville. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the world headquarters there. That was a hard bid, and um, uh, you know we were we we weren't able to bond it, um, and we thought we weren't going to be able to bid it. We were told, don't stop what you're doing. You put all this time and resource in, even though you can't get a bond. Go ahead and do it. We won the job, ran the job. It went extremely well. Obviously, it's one of the nicest buildings in downtown still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my grandfather and Uncle Skip were the two um, PMs that, were that ran the job. And so from that point, they started taking us all over the country. And um, so there was a hospital in Tampa that another contractor was working on, that, and I think the owner fired him and asked us if we would come down there and finish it. And so we ended up hiring some local people. We finished that job. We got some more work while we were down there and we stayed. Um I'm not I'm I'm sure there was a formal business plan, but it was an opportunity through mm-hmm. a long-term cool. deal that uh it's still working and that's one of the hottest markets in the country right now. I mean, it is booming there. So
0: So uh John Gaver retired, right? Yes. And so who runs the office in Florida now?
1: So David Judd um, runs the office there. Uh, I recognize
0: that name. Is he from here?
1: Yeah, he came from Abel. Oh,
0: okay. That's where I know.
1: And I don't remember how many years he was there. Um, David's a younger guy, is one of the most hardworking and talented people. Um, Reminds me a lot of you, actually, just like you kind of hear his history, and he just He's just a really good person. He's made a lot of really, really good decisions. And um, anyway, we've we've been able to uh, spend some time with him before he went down there to Florida, worked a couple of years, took over for John. Uh, and then we had a couple of senior PMs from Louisville that, as the market was picking up, we needed more help. We've been able to plug and play down there. And um, it's been vital to us doing what we've been doing. Is that
0: healthcare care down there? Is that what you guys still doing? For life? us,
1: it's all. I mean, I think... I'm gonna get this wrong, but I know within like a one-hour radius of our office, there's like a hundred hospitals. I mean, so it's, it's just CHS, HCA, um, LifePoint. Well, you got all then, the old people there. Is, uh, <laughs> people get sick and they get older every day. So uh, everybody's <laughs> talking about
0: retiring yep. and going to we in Michigan. We should call it snowboarding where they go down. You know. So, yep. uh, um, we, so is there any other significant events you can think of besides uh, what you talked about? Uh,
1: um. You know, probably for me, uh, running our Lexington office, um, you know, I've got several personal events, but, I mean, just, uh, we'd, we'd worked in Lexington for 30 years, um, but we've never had an office here, and, um, you know, the market was kind of driving us to think about making the move, and um, I was tasked, or uh, voluntold is kind of what I say. I <laughs> I thought it would be a good idea if we had an office here and just try to put a plan together, and I ended up being told, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, and we think you should do it. Um, and so probably our first UK project, because uh, we have been trying and trying to break through and show them that we we knew we could do what we needed to do. Uh, there's a lot of great subs, GCs, CMs here in town. Um, I'm, uh, we're not any better or worse. I just knew that there was a standard here that had to be set, and I thought we could do it. And you know, we got our first job. I think we did a pretty good job, and now it's obviously led to—I um, don't want to say long-term—but we've had we've had a lot of good luck there, and, and hopefully have a lot more. So. So you've been here for
0: what five years?
1: Yeah, you know, I started coming uh, <laughs> actually. So 21C um, here in town, we were uh, we were awarded that job, and uh, my now father-in-law uh, was the senior. PM, and so I was the PM working for him, and we came down here in 2014 because it was three weeks before my son was born, and um, so I've been here since then. I mean, and, and I had been working around town, but uh, never physically here. So yeah, it's been since around June of
0: 14. It's got to be interesting driving with your father-in-law back and forth every day for years. It it, it
1: is, <laughs> it is.
0: And, so, and I'll and just leave it as that, right? <laughs> well, he's
1: he's. Uh, I mean, I, I'll tell anybody some this. I'm, uh, whatever i thought that he was before i got to know him he's a you know i any father in law when you're dating someone you know or that person he obviously wasn't yeah. my father in law then but scary and intimidating and um he's one of he's one of the best guys that i know and um he's a great teammate and um i had to learn day one that like if i had a bad day about anything like I would go home, and April would always figure out some way to like well if if you and Dad were having problems, it can't be his fault, so it's got to be yours. <laughs> you know said, well, you know even if that's true, I don't really need to hear it, but, uh, but no, it's that's it's an been, interesting dynamic there. It is. So. its it's been great i've i've got I work with my family and then I married a girl who's that so I got it on all sides here and uh don't know if that's good or a bad <laughs> so um so what are you guys doing to prepare for the future? Well, we're um, we're in the midst of a change right now. When when Skip left, um, there was a huge void and just what was his primary duty? So so the three of them were were equal partners. Um, Dale, who is my dad, is the CEO. Skip is the oldest; he was the president of Louisville operation and president of marketing, and then Ed was the president of Florida. And so. But it was still governed to where everything was, you know. They met once a month, and everything ran through the three of them. Um, Skip was a person that has a lot of contacts. He knows a lot of people. He's he is a very service-oriented person, and throughout his life, um, you just don't realize what an impact somebody has on the people around them until they're gone. And he's not gone, but he's just not. You know, we don't we don't interact with him every day, and um, so more than anything. Skip always knew he knows everybody. Um, just a lot of the goodwill that our family has built has been because of his service, generosity, um, and he was a, he just a workaholic. And um, you know, it's just it's hard to fill that void. That's mm-hmm. the best way to say it. So, what are we doing to plan for the future? We're we're in the midst of really. I'm still learning what my role is here. And I mean, I'm I run an office, but um, we've gone from three people two years ago to 15 now in, in the office. We've got 55 people that technically right now, I mean, with field staff, it can mm. fluctuate a little bit, but fall under the Lexington office. And so we're trying to establish right now, you know, we took our core leadership team, our best project manager, so to speak, or I don't know that I was, but there's a bunch of us that, are, that were really good, people that I learned from. We've all moved into management roles. And so naturally now, we're doing less project management and we're having to train, we're having to teach and Mm -hmm. do all of that and keep up with a booming economy and a standard of work that um, is very difficult to achieve. So, like, I I know that my job will hopefully lead into more long-term strategy. And I do have things that I'd like to accomplish. But, you know, right now I find myself more in a teaching mode and just trying to make sure that our team has the resources that they have. to do. You know what's funny about, like, you know, you go to school, you get trained as a construction
0: manager, you learn the technical aspects, and then you get to a point where those really, I won't say don't matter, but don't matter as much. Right. And then the things that do matter are things like strategic thinking yeah. and leadership and those things that you most people think, ah, that's not that important. And uh, I've talked to some previous podcasts and I'm a big believer in it, is that, I mean, if you employers are more, and I found this to be true, and I've seen the research to support it, employers are more concerned about soft skills than they are about the technical skills. Yeah. Because you can teach anybody to swing a hammer. I shouldn't say anybody, but you can teach a lot of people to swing a hammer, or you can teach a lot of people to put together a schedule, but it's much more difficult to teach them how to communicate effectively.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's our job. I mean, I'm... I'm ashamed to say it, but I tried to opt into an online public speaking course when I was in school because I hated talking to people. I mean, and Mm -hmm. I I don't mind it now, Um, but it it is something that is so valuable um, that I personally just didn't fixate on. Um, You know, it's my job to say, here's what we're stands for. I stand in front of an owner. I stand in front of a client and say... This is what we stand for because we do. And we're going to give you our word. We're going to sign a piece of paper that says we're going to do all this stuff. But, like, we're here to serve you. And that goes from the top all the way to the bottom. And what I've got to learn more every day is for me to be able to honor that takes a lot of people, all the way down to the subcontractors. But, you know, the buck stops with us as the CM, GC. And it's hard for project managers a lot of times new or inexperienced when you're moving into that role to understand how important your character and your integrity is. Um, and just So yes, being able to make a promise, follow through on it, um, it's really hard to find people that can do that effectively. You know
0: what I think is uh, is interesting to hear you, t- hearing you talk about it, and this is something I preach to my folks all the time, <clears throat> is customer service is lost in construction. Yeah. And I think more and more of the people that realize that, you know, I was talking to David Dean a few weeks ago, and he You know he indicated that too is that that's what people want. People don't want the old-school you know, <coughs> Relationship adversarial relationship. They want to have a partnership and and, and obviously I, I know that that's you guys as a company And that's kind of what you do um, So do you guys have a five-year strategic plan?
1: Yes, we've got uh, we've got a one year, a two year, and a five year, um, and really, it's been implemented over the past year. Or we, we've been starting the process of you know we've looked at our short term and long term goals, um, and then the interim steps that we have to take to get there. And with all of us being in new roles, we have it's so I didn't really get to this a minute ago, but uh, Dad and Ed are CEO and COO, and mm-hmm. then they've got what they call is the EMT, the Executive Management. Team that I'm a part of, and there's six of us there, and so we're all trying to fill our way out in our new roles and implement these goals or interim steps to get to the five-year plan. And mostly it's about growth, developing PMs that can continue the character and the legacy, um, and really just trying to broaden our workload. You know, uh, it's easy to say that healthcare should be. Pretty main. I mean, it's a very difficult sector to be in because of how many rules and yeah, regulations like and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, but but it just it, you know it's it's I guess I'd say common sense that people are going to get sick, people are always going to need hospitals and healthcare, so that's a you'd think that's a good market to be in. Um, but we're trying to say, well, if there's ever a law in healthcare, you know, we we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that effectively? And you know, we're trying to take steps to figure out ways to do that. And that's interesting, you know,
0: because, uh, you know, it's like, do you stay with what your core focus is? Do you go outside that? Do you offer new products? And that's a constant struggle. I mean, the, I think anybody who is, in, who is in a management position or executive position with a, uh, a, any kind of construction organization, that's what they think about all the time. How can I offer more services or <coughs> how can I bring new clients to the table? Yeah. Um, so um, what are some things you hope to achieve in your in your five-year plan?
1: Well, you know, again, I'll say personally or I'll kind of stick to more of the Lexington aspect of it. I've, um, I, I've, I've found that there's always going to be more things I can do. There's always more work to get done. There's always emails to check and things to do. And um, for me personally, I have to always come back to my family, God. Is, I mean, that's what's most important to me and I can't do anything very effectively if I don't keep that, you know. And 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 that's just a me thing. Um because I've spent a lot of time and a lot of energy over the past several years trying to do right by work and my fam and when I say my family, there's like the Barry family that I feel an yeah. ownership to to live up to whatever granddad and Dad given it built, but you know, I've learned I can't do that at the expense of my own family, you know, being a dad and being a husband. And I, I've, I've wished that I could say that I always choose them over work, uh, but things get in the way all the time. And so I have to try to reevaluate every day. I try to tell the people that work here, I hope to never ask you to have to make a decision between your family and work, um, but I, but I want that to be the mission here that like we serve a higher purpose and it's not about the dollars. I mean, we have to make money But if you forget that, then all this is for nothing because we'll lose the clients. We won't be able to give owners what we say we are going to give them. Uh, So I, I really try to live a day at a time and try to let it just be, you know, this is my focus for the day and try to help out the people around here as best I can and, you know, too often, I probably do that too much because then I don't get anything done. But um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I try to not focus too much, uh, other than I know I have to in my job is looking a year, two years, and five years. But the more I do that, the more the things that are the most important to me in my life seem to suffer, and that's just a character defect of mine that I, you know, so hard for me to answer other than just day at a
0: time. Now I know you're a humble guy, and I know when I ask you this question, it's gonna be tough for you, but. What skills and ability do you, do you have? Do you think that that helps the business? Because I, I, uh, you're Barry, okay, but the fact is, is that uh, just like I do with my own son, I'm not going to throw him in a position that he's going to fail. So obviously <laughs> your your father and your and your uncles had a had a belief in you. You know there's something they believed in you. They saw something in you. What what is that that has helped? that help, helped you not only survive but thrive here in Lexington? Um,
1: I think that I don't know what I do well. I can tell you that I try to, I am, I'm, I'm not going to say obsessed with it, but it's very important to me to try to keep my word. Um, I, I, I know that to a fault I will take ownership of things that just, you know, I try to look at what do I need to see in someone to be able to give them more, Responsibility, and that's the best way that I can answer. I wonder why they looked at me when I was 25, 26, 27, sent me to Lexington, allowed me to stay, and have they've you know entrusted me with a lot of stuff. And um, I, I really don't know. I, I, I just know that I don't I don't wait around for other people to solve any of the problems that run into us every day. I think that's what makes a good uh, project manager, GC or CM, you know it's very easy for me to draw a line in the sand on a project and say, well, that's the architect's job or the engineer's job, right? That's, that's not my job. But, you know, going back to what you said, you know, David Dean says, they're, they're looking for a team. We are a team, whether everybody wants to be or not. And if one party suffers, we all suffer. So I try to take ownership of that. And I think that I've tried to take ownership of everything that I've been blessed with up here and do the best that I can. And I'm not ashamed to ask for help when I need it. And, um, I know that, I'm inexperienced, but I'm willing, you know, if I can ask for help from people that I respect and if I can try to find people that show the character and the values that we want to have at Weir, keep them here and motivate them that it's not about the money. I'll take care of the money for you if you'll just do the right thing. That's worked so far. And um, But I tell Dad, and I, I don't talk to Uncle Ed as much as Dad, but uh just say you find somebody that's better, uh, you know, Bring them down here. I'll do everything I can to help them. But, uh, you know, but other than that, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to bring it back to this, but I think that I have been blessed. Um, I've been very fortunate. I've got a lot of guys in the field that um, are fantastic and have really set the character of Weir as what it is. Owners don't see me every day. They don't see the project managers mm-hmm. usually every day. They see the people in the field. So I can sit up here and tell them whatever I want. And I can say, where is this and where is that, and here's what we're going to do. But they see the people in the field every day. They interact with them every day. And our reputation is made based on how they interact every day and and the character that they have. So we are blessed with a really, really good team. That I don't care if you're perfect at your job personally. Just... I never want to get a call that someone made a choice about money or someone made a choice about taking the easy way when the hard way was there, or the 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 right choice was there and I don't know that I've had too many of those so what is and and you know you bring up a,
0: a very important topic those guys in the field have to show those values that yeah. you guys have so you know I walked in your front door here and when you walk in your front door you got a plaque behind the desk there, um, a Bible verse, and uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and kind of yep. what the values,
1: what do you think the values of where is. is? So, I think to your first point, finding the field staff that can represent you, um, that can represent Weir and the values, it is a challenge, and that is, that's something above all else that God has blessed me and Lexington and just Weir in general with is we have really high quality people. Um, I don't know how other people do it. I've been blessed and cursed that my only experience has been with Weir and it's been with, with, you know, Dad, Skip and Ed, Um, but we have high character people and most of our field staff starts young, Um, you know, growing up with Weir to where after, you know, after a couple years of somebody you, working in the field, busting their butt, working in the cold, the wet, the, you know, early, late, you can tell who's here because they care and who's here so that they can get a check. And so what I have tried to do at least is when I find those people, I try to encourage them. I try to say like, I'm noticing this, we are noticing this and it means a lot. We really appreciate you. If you wanna be with us, I'll make every opportunity available to you to further yourself, to better yourself, And and we've been able to develop people that way. Um, And and the Bible verse, you know, that goes back to uh, some people caution us against it. Uh, Just I'm not going to say that we wear it on our foreheads everywhere we go. But to us, whether you're a a person of faith or not, I think anybody who is entrusting their resources is going to pay us money and entrust us to do a service for them that is going to cost them something, needs to be able to trust us. And so you don't have to be a person of faith, but I think it can, it can help to see like we are driven by values and whether that's based on, you know, the Christian faith or just the words in a book or the words that we, that we live by that says we're going to live our lives in a certain way. I hope that, that even, if, even if that doesn't resonate with you on the faith side of things, I hope that it does just on a personal level. Uh, and so we were we were tasked in the business plan how can we how can we carry on the legacy that granddad built because he passed away a couple years ago Mm -hmm. um, and honor skip honor the Barry family and so you know we had our list of values and we did the play on words the we're faithful we're fun we're family we're this and so but it was intentional that we're faithful was first and um, so we said let's Let's pick out a scripture that we feel like best represents our faith in the Barry family. And by that, I'm not meaning DJ and I. I'm meaning my dad and skipping it. And, uh, so, again, I wish I could quote it to you. But basically, the first uh, Corinthians 3, 10 and 11 talks about um, building upon a foundation. Um, by the grace in which God gave me, I've laid the strongest foundation. And it's a reference to Jesus Christ as being the strongest foundation that we can lay our our lives on and builders faith it just kind of like we were we were doing some research and the minute we read it out loud it was like that's it mm-hmm. um, and so you know we put it as a signature line on the bottom of our emails and as I said I, I don't know if it's cost us work but I know that my faith is that I'm not I'm not living for this world, you know. Well, and
0: it all comes with what you're, you know, for, because I've been highly criticized also because, yeah. I mean, my vision, the vision statement for my company is really simple. And and, and kind of going back to the vision and mission, um, somebody, I have a, a consultant that works with me, a leadership consultant. He's a, he's a retired colonel, full-blown colonel, and he, he said, when we're looking at our mission and our vision, he says, well, you know, that mission is what you do. That vision is why you do it. Yeah. So because you know, I know vision and mission gets mixed up in yeah. everything. So I started thinking about that and I said, okay, well what does we do? What is our mission? Well, our mission is using our Christian values, we make project administration and management easy. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Now why do we do it? That's a much more complicated yeah. thing.. Yeah. And so we struggle because not every you're not going to hire everybody that's, nor should we hire everybody. That's a Christian. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh um, you know, God surrounded himself with tax collectors and you know, uh and if the IRS is listening, I'm not saying about I'm not saying anything about you but, but <laughs> don't honor me. Yeah. But uh but uh, the 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 fact is is that we're we're not commanded just to hang out with people that are like us. Yeah. So but I also felt a strong uh desire to to like you guys say what we're all about and my our vision statement for ace is we're in the business of building the kingdom you know bbk what we call it you know and uh and truly that's what it's about you know of course you got to have a good business model building is what we do and kingdom is what we're all about yeah and that's i've been highly criticized about that we have people who are agnostic and atheist within the company um uh, one of them was actually on my management team on my executive management team. But that's okay because he still respects where it comes from. Yeah. He don't have to buy into the fact. I am not telling him, hey, you got to believe in God. Right. So He's still going to buy by that vision. And, yeah. I, and I'm inspired. By, and honestly, I was really inspired by you guys. And the reason I was inspired by you guys is because I found out one thing that, you guys probably don't know this, but when I, my first year at EKU, I have found out that when you guys have a meeting, you start it with a prayer.
1: Yeah, I do. And,
0: I That actually made a really big impact on me, and I I won't say I've stolen them, but I don't, I'm sure you guys would be willing to share <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. But, okay. but when we have a company meeting and we eat, or we have a company meeting, we always pray before it, and uh, I thought that was an incredible thing, and you guys have kind of inspired me to kind of take my faith and say, I'm going to live out my faith in my everyday lives, you know? And I I think that's something that you guys really do well, and I was very impressed
1: with. Well, it's nice to hear that. I mean, we, uh, you know, we're the same way. I think that, um, you know, in this day and time, it is not it's not always easy to do that. Um, You know, but it's it's amazing that I I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, but I try to pray. It's something that's just always been instilled in me, and but I always say, like you know, you don't have to do this if you're mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable with it. You know, feel free. We can step outside. Anybody. But how many people come up and say, I really appreciated that you bless the food or that you pray before meetings? And um, I, it's more it, it more than more than Christian faith. It, like as I said, we want to, we want to have a personal level interaction with our clients that says you can trust us because we. Like we live by a certain character. There's a code. Either. There is a code. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you don't have to believe in Jesus for that, but um, you know, you do have to tell the truth, do what you say you're going to do, and be upfront and be honest, or you're or you're not going to work here. And the, the funny thing about it is, those seem so simple, <laughs> but, but <if> <laughs> not,
0: it's not that simple, not, you know. Yeah. And if you you know keeping your word. Gosh, man, this is, we're in an industry that is so tough uh, to get people to keep their word, you Yeah, know, really. Um, so kind of let's go into like the, you know, what do you think were your five big, biggest successes or three to five big, big, biggest successes in your career personally, professionally? And what do you think your five, three to five biggest failures, you know? Because, uh, you know, uh, some people don't like the word failure. I think failure is probably one of the best things that can ever oh, happen yeah. to you. Uh, cause it helps you grow. But if you had to say the, what would you say the three to five of the the greatest successes and failures were for you?
1: Yeah. I find myself thinking about like, if, if I go play around the golf, ask me what my best shot was. I have a really hard time telling you, ask me what my worst shot was and I can recall it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that I'm very similar to what you just said. And then I feel like I learn more from screwing up than I do from getting it right. Um, some of, the, some of the moments that stand out to me, I guess I'm finding because when I'm hiring new people or I'm training, I find myself recounting what's worked for me. I think that every person has to operate based on what their style is and how they're comfortable. Because the most important thing, you're, you're leading men and women, uh, you're chairing meetings, you're, you're the leader in the room uh, almost every time you go somewhere. So you have to be comfortable in your own skin. I remember Nick Fears, who's on the EMT team with us and is one of the sharpest, um, just one of the sharpest dudes that I've ever met, and I got to learn from him. Um, I remember going to a hospital, and I was his assistant PM, and I was just, you know, following him around, trying to learn, trying to do all this. The day that he handed me the drawings and specs and said, I'm not going to Somerset again. It's all yours you know, and and I was petrified. I mean, I couldn't believe what he was saying, but it was like, I believe you can do this, and I'm not going to bail you out, so go do it, and that's not, that was a moment that I was scared to death, but I know that was the best thing for me to grow. I'm sure I butchered everything up for the next couple months, but, you know, I did my best. Um, I think at 21C, that was a a game-changing moment probably for me, looking back on it. I've I struggled a lot with that whole taking personal ownership of things when, you know, one person is not going to be able to build a project. You can't handle everything, and that's taken me time to learn because I felt like if there was a problem, I had to solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of problems on that job. You know, you're taking four buildings that are independent and trying to turn them into one structure, and everything looks like it's going to fall over every ten seconds. And um, but we were really proud of what we accomplished. Um, I learned a lot. I worked for my father-in-law for two years and became extremely close to him. I still am um, because of that. And it was a challenge, probably for him too, uh, just learning different styles. So I would say just what I learned and the people in the field that grew and that I was able to become um, friends with uh, more than anything. Um, Then, uh, you know, I can probably focus more too just on – challenges um you know being young and I'm less young you know I'm getting older Well day. you're not young anymore no. you got gray hair uh, so. I got I got more than my dad does <laughs> and then my brother points it out to me every day but uh you know it's so it's so difficult when you take ownership of everything it's it's um I, I'm sure it's a good it's a good character to have I mean it's what I look for in people I want people that want to see a problem and go fix it. I don't want people to sit around and say it's your job to go do it, but you know, personality clashes and just sometimes you give all you can and it's not enough. And um, you know, not saying names or pointing a thing out, but I can always define failures by people that I've failed or, or that I assume if something didn't go 100% perfect that I failed. Um, and and sometimes it's just personality, sometimes it's just you know, there's a number of things but I'm coming to realize that like that attitude of it's my job to fix every problem, you know, you've gotta you, you gotta keep that mindset. I've learned to keep that mindset but understand my limitations to where I don't overpromise or get ourselves in a situation that we can't do what we wanna do and um, you know, and probably lastly we've been blessed very much to grow. We've got a lot of work up here and um, I'm learning, um, not growing too fast, but I'm, I'm getting kind of like anything else. I'm learning by mistakes or things not working, um, how to run an office, how to run a business, how to, you know, motivate people. Um, so it's, it's kind of a daily thing. Uh, so, you know, you had a chance uh, to uh,
0: see different levels, you know, because growing up in the business, I mean – And then going all the way, and I think that's significant, by the way, being a part of something for a long period of time. um, It wasn't like, you know, you're 30 years old and somebody had to you to say, hey, go fund this. It was a slow, methodical, (laughs) humbling, probably, (laughs) experience. Um, But if you were to give somebody somebody advice, you know, somebody who, you know, because this podcast is not just for those experienced people. Um, it's also for people who aspire to be that. What advice would you give to somebody that says, hey, listen, I want to be a construction executive someday? And uh, I say construction executive because I think it's different than Mm -hmm. other industries. So what advice would you give to somebody like that?
1: Um, I think the first thing is uh, you you almost just have to have a spirit of hard work. Um, Maybe not... I don't know how other people see me, and I won't act like. I think I had, I've had. i had a lot of people that have come into my life that I value a whole lot that have told me, um, it's none of your business what other people think about you. And that's been because, I, you know, some people, and I'm one of them, have to have this, I need to be liked. Or, I, you know, I mm-hmm. think we're all guilty of that a little bit. but Or, you know, I certainly am. Uh, but hard work is extremely important because that's the first thing that I see is if someone – it moves up. I see someone who doesn't look at what time it is and they're walking out the door at 3.30. I don't want you to be here until 9 o'clock at night. I want you to have a family life, but I want this to be about, you know, who you are, not what you do. And um, so I, I think having a spirit of hard work while you're here at work is very important to me. Um, I think that being someone who is not afraid to make a decision. You know, you always have to be able, when asked, to give an explanation. So I'm never going never gonna to get you in trouble by making a decision that goes wrong, as long as you have sound judgment in why you made the decision yeah. that you made. So if I ask you if something failed, I'm not going to get mad at you unless I ask you why did you make this call and you can't tell me or the reasoning is not, you know. So I want people to be able to make a decision because in our industry, schedule is everything. Time is money. Time is the most important to us, to the client. So you have to be able to assess a situation and make a decision and be okay with it being wrong and learn from it. Um, And and I think just those things. And and lastly, think teamwork because I'm learning every day that if if there's 500 people on a job site, you're only as good as the person that puts the PPE on, that ties off to the roof because one person can make everybody look bad and can derail you. You may be skyrocketing up some kind of ladder and everything's going great. Somebody falls off a roof on your job and it goes on your record. I mean, it just, it's one of these things that like, you're only as good as the people that you have around you. So having a servant, kind of a servant leadership type mindset, mm-hmm. um, I think those are important. So, and I don't know if that works for everybody. That's, that's what I notice. And so when I see those either qualities Characteristics and people that work here at Weir—that's when I notice and try to seek them out. So,
0: so what? So what's the future of Weir? It's
1: a wonderful question. Um, You know, we're we're a family-owned business, and um, with Dad and Ed now, I know that um, you know Ed doesn't have any children that work at Weir. Dad does. Um, So DJ uh, runs our Louisville office and. You know, I, obviously, um, we would love for the family business piece to stay a part of it. I'm, I learn more every day that there's a lot more qualified and capable people than me, and I don't ever want to be someone that's accused of being given what I've been given because of my name or because of anything else. I, I can't help that. I mean, I, I don't apologize for it because I come from a line of uh, really, really good quality people on both sides of my family, and uh, so I'm never going to apologize for that. God put me where he did, and I'm sure he had a reason for it. Um, If it's not a family business, uh, then there are so many good people at Weir that, um, as I said, are extremely capable. I'm humbled to be on that leadership team, on the EMT team at Weir, uh, because whatever I might have thought about one day, I want to own Weir, I want to do this. There's a lot of responsibility, and there's a lot of families, a lot of children, a lot of people that rely upon a paycheck that comes from us. And when you think about it in those terms, um, you know we're putting food on the table for for a lot of people. So as long as there's somebody that, that can maintain the the core values of we're, we'll be fine. And uh, I man, I hope that I'm a part of that. Um, you know, we're trying to make sure, as I said, uh, kind of future proof. We we don't know what markets are going to be hot mm-hmm. five, ten years from now. Um, so maybe what was great for us in the 80s and 90s when health care was enough to keep the ship running, um, it may not be in the future. So we just need to be able to uh, show more than anything that we can do all types of work. I think, you know, I could sit here and argue if you can do health care, if you can operate inside an active hospital while surgeries and operations are going on and minimize any interruption, you can do anything. Um, but, I know that you have to be able to sell yourself that we can build a stadium, we can build a school we can build whatever, so trying to make sure that we have resumes on file that um shows that we can keep up with those who can and you know, as I said, I try to live a day at a time and we'll see what happens. I didn't ask you this, but what is
0: and and you you don't have to share this if you don't want to but what do you guys do revenue
1: a year uh you know if you look at a 10-20 year forecast. It's anywhere from 80 to 120 million a year, um, but again, that's that can fluctuate. Different. Um, you know, we just opened the Bowling Green office about a year or so ago, um, and so we're trying to kind of maintain some speed mm-hmm. there. Um, Lexington's doing great. Louisville's doing great. So I mean, one of our goals is to is to be able to expand. We don't want to grow to out to to kind of get too big for what we can maintain. I know one of the things that Dad, Skip, and Ed were very proud about, and they should have been, is that in 2009 they didn't fire anyone. Like we didn't have to lay off anyone. Oh, that's that's, that's yeah. what I mean. But so I mean it was it was we took a lot of losses for a couple of years, but but we rode the ship. And um, so uh, you know we we've got to be able to do more work because we want to grow and expand, but we don't want to get too big that we have to compromise those types of things down the road. So. Well, I will say something that you said before. I think it's
0: harder for you than it was probably for your father. And this is why I'm going to say this. Okay? (laughs) He'll he'll, he'll disagree. So (laughs) this is why I'm going to say this, is because you have a standard to live up to. Sure. And that's difficult, you know? And I think about for my own son, what that means, because everybody looks at your dad and looks at you and compares. And, yeah. you know, good, bad, or indifferent, that's the reality, and, uh, you know, it's it's hard for the son to, you know, I always think of uh, George W. Bush because I was at Camp David during the time he was president, and he said the hardest thing, one of the hardest things it is to just live up to the expectations of your father and everybody who knows your father, yeah. you know, and George, <coughs> H. George H. Bush was a good man, you know, accomplished a lot yeah. in his life, and, and, and from what I know, your father the same thing there, you know. He's a good man, and uh, and that's hard. And I, I tell my son all the time that you don't have to be like me, because my son's an introvert. Uh, I'm obviously not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm not either. But, uh, yeah. So uh, so that's. But you don't have to be an extrovert in order to be successful, or in order to be a leader. You don't have to be. It's just there's many other things you can. So different types of leaders.
1: Um, well, if, go ahead. If, yeah, I just want like it'd be hard for me to you know, kind of go through the history and stuff and not, and not touch on that. Like, I've been very blessed, and I know DJ would say the same thing. You know, I live two houses down from dad, live with him, work with him, um, work in the same office as my father-in-law. You know, we ride together all the time. Uh, I'm very fortunate that my dad uh, is one of, if not my best friends and knows everything about me, knows the best and the worst um you know he's been very clear from the first day i interviewed i don't you know i don't know how much I, but i came in and interviewed with skipping and Ed, and he wouldn't be a part of it and he just said like i'm not going to oversee any projects that you're on it's going to be you you're going to do your thing and i'm not going to be a part of it and the same for dj um we couldn't have a better example he's i mean he you know i already see my son he's five and he likes to he don't want to listen to uh, if i tell him how to hit a baseball, you know, no dad, i can do it. I know how to, you know, <laughs> he's 5. I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be a long 18 years. But like he th- dad is just um he's a great example of a servant leader. He has his quirks like anybody, and i'm sure that Cooper would say that i've got mine like anybody when he's old enough to recognize him, but like i come to appreciate him more so much and um Uh, And and Skip and Ed the same way. We've had fantastic servant leaders that we've been able to watch. And, um, you know, I don't know if I was watching, but I'm recognizing more now in the choices that I make every day that I've seen them do it. Um, And what I maybe used to think, of, if I was ever in charge of anything, I wouldn't do it that way. I'm coming to see myself making a lot of the same calls. And so I'm very blessed that we're as close as we are. And that goes for my father-in-law, too, because, you know, I'm just – extremely lucky, but but I'm also like, I'm trying my best and if I fail, then I fail, but it'll be because God's got something else for me and I'm not going to try not to live in a world anymore where if I I don't live up to an expectation, it's not because I didn't try. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to work 80 hours a week, 120 hours a week just to prove I'm something that I may not be. Um, So I'm very grateful to Dad for instilling that in me and Mom and and certainly my wife. She's grown up in a weird family too, and so she understands it. She knows the difficulties, and she's been very lenient and tolerant and patient with a lot of the growing pains that I've had. And that's you just get lucky. You know, I don't have anybody to thank except for God and just luck for that. So I need to make sure I said that. And and that's uh,
0: you know, I, I, if you can make the family thing work, and most company most. People say business and family doesn't work, but if you can make it work I'd have to say one of my greatest joys is having three of my four children work in the company and actually I had all four but my oldest daughter is living in California now uh, So she can't work with the company, but it can be a
1: great thing. You know, it's it's got its difficulties but like the fact is I don't go two months at a time without seeing or talking to my family and that goes for my uncle's my Brother my dad my father like and that goes back to I wasn't sure I wanted to do but I still feel the same way like the the fact that I get to be around them every day is a blessing in and of itself and uh, like I know a lot of people don't get that now there's it's like it's not all butterflies and rainbows you know because when you fight or you're having difficulties you take them home with you and then it's harder to get rid of them but um, you know we've made it work so far so we're going to do uh, what they call the speed
0: round at the very end. I'm going to from I'm going to ask you. Uh, I'm going to give you different topics, and I'm going to say from one to ten, what do you think is how important do you think this is in construction? Okay. And into your business. One itself. being not important. Ten. One important. being not that important. Ten being mm-hmm. really important. So. Okay. Um, and you can elaborate if you like, or you can just give me a number. Okay. So, but you have to give me a number. Got so okay. So from one to ten, scheduling. Ten. Estimating. Seven. Accounting. Ten. Contract administration. Eight and a half. Okay. Selling work. Nine.
1: And leadership. I hate to be a ten guy every time, but, <laughs> <laughs> but ten, 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 ten. Yeah. Ten. yeah. Uh, I mean, but everybody has their own style with each of those things, and I've not made those a priority a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but the older I get and when I see struggles on a project, some of the things that should be tens on that list, if I find that I've really numbered them a three and they should have been a ten, that's why we're struggling. So, And some of lead it. Like, it's it's like... Well, everything ultimately is a leadership,
0: you know? Yeah. And so if you can fix leadership, that's the root cause, then you can fix probably scheduling issues you have. Yeah. You know? So yeah. there's a lot of links between those. So it's unfair
1: for me to make you do that, but that's my fun thing. No. yeah. Give people a <clears throat> squirm, you know? I want to, I wanna, like, so it's kind of funny, the estimating part of it is, I remember estimating at Eastern used to drive me crazy because it was like it's one of the few times that there's not a right answer. It's yeah. all math. But two plus two does not always equal four. And and the right answer is not always right. And, you know, but we've got, we have estimators. We're, and, you know, when that's what you do every day, it's so funny. I laugh with them all the time. They're like, it's not an exact science. One of our guys who's, uh, Chris, is fantastic. He goes and speaks to people a lot, and he just says it's not exactimating. And, you know, we've got guys in here that, you know, have been doing this 30 years, they can look at an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and just kind of give them one of these thumbs over and say, yeah, 200 bucks a square foot. 200, and like, then there's people that, the estimators will work two weeks on it and be at $202 a square foot. You know, um, so it's, it's, it's just funny that I have two different pictures in my head of a person that takes two weeks to do something and a person that can do it in 10 minutes and, you know. So there's definitely an art there. There is, there is. And it's extremely important but, you know, it's just the context of everything. No, understood. So. Understood. Well,
0: I just want to give you an opportunity to, to say any, have any last comments about anything before we
1: kind of close it out. Well, I, I'm very appreciative of being able to do this. I think it's cool. I listen to podcasts where I'm in, I'm in the car three hours a day, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. But um, to to my family, uh, I'm hoping that they'll listen to this. But um, you know, they're probably asleep by now. Probably so. Or <laughs> they're little crap in the air? But uh I'm I'm just I'm very fortunate, uh, with everything at work that's that's been done and um everybody that I work with because you you know, it's like when you're a project manager on a job it's only as good as every subcontractor and every employee that you have and it's the same thing here and um I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I think that this is uh, it's a really cool thing uh you know you came to my office and you kind of gave a kind of an educational update um, about scheduling and estimating and things like you're doing a fantastic service for the industry. Um, I think what you did at e k u was absolutely amazing and i've just it's been it's been unreal how the cm program there has just exploded um, but I think what you're, like it's obvious what you're doing and your industry is fantastic. You've helped us, Uh, you know, I'll kind of give you a shout out here that on the scheduling side of things, you know, you're helping us with a $40 million project and you and your team have been fantastic. And so I think it's really cool what you're doing, what you've done for me, uh, what you're doing for everybody locally. And so thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. And and on a personal note, I mean,
0: uh, you know, obviously I consider you a friend, but Mm -hmm. when I really say that, your guys' organization and what you guys put here together was a big inspiration to me uh, to do what I felt like I, I, I wanted to do. Didn't know how to get, do it, and you guys showed me that practical aspect of it, and that's a significant thing. And I'm glad there's people out there doing that stuff and uh, says a lot about you guys and your company. And I wish you guys success. And uh, so on ConX, our ne- next time we're meeting with Conex, Jeff Zelen uh, from Davis Elliott will be meeting with us. Uh, and we'll be talking with him for about an hour. See you next time.